Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877 Well, Michelle Obama spoke at the convention last night. Anybody watch? I didn't watch. I have the clip. Anybody actually watching this? I'm not. We collect the clips the next day as we did today. But I understand the news reporting is... Fascinating. Our friend over at Wright's Group, Brian, says, just reporting the news, Chris Wallace must have had a chill up his leg as he glowingly lauded Michelle Obama's speech. I didn't hear or watch what Chris had to say. But if so, he certainly wasn't alone. We have never, ever, ever had a first lady who's as fantastic as Michelle Obama. She's down for the revolution as she cashes her checks from Netflix and her publisher. She and her husband, Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, and Michelle have to be worth about $200 million right now. The system is just systemically racist. Now's our opportunity in America to fundamentally transform our country. Do you realize that he's been in a fight with the neighborhood where he wants to put his half a billion dollar library in Chicago? That they don't want it there. But he doesn't care. He's taking him to court. Do you realize, as I said yesterday in Hawaii, that they're using loopholes, the estate where they used to shoot Magnum P.I., to get around the environmental rules there to protect the coastline? I mean, is this a joke? You realize all the talk about spreading the wealth, the top 1%, that they're in the top 100th of 1%? None of that matters. They have a collective chill going up their leg, as the great, late 
what the hell was his name? Chris Matthews used to say. And here's the thing. She spoke last night. Most of you didn't hear it, but it's all over the media. They're pushing it. And come Wednesday, or maybe Thursday, nobody will remember two words of it. It won't matter. But they talk about tradition. The President of the United States is out there. He's robust. He's vibrant. Going to battleground states this week, and they're, they're very offended in the media about tradition. Because he's fundamentally transforming the way he campaigns. We can't do that. And yet there's the former first lady, Michelle Obama. Do we have former first ladies trash-mouthing a current president of the United States? I can't think of one. It's all right. It's Michelle. Michelle Obama. A self-made first lady. Well... She is speaking while Joe Biden is vigorously campaigning on his street in Wilmington, Delaware, which he doesn't leave. He's campaigning basically in two states. He's not even campaigning in two states. He's campaigning in Wilmington and every now and then Scranton to pretend that those are where his roots are. His family yanked his ass up as a five-year-old and they moved to Wilmington. But who might have burst bubbles? Who might have burst bubbles? And the love story between Dr. Jill and Dr. Needing Joe. We'll get to that later. And they're still pushing their conspiracy theory with the post office. Like day seven. The missing post mailboxes. How can that be? Processing machines that they're shutting down. No, they're repairing them and renewing, putting new... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We've got our storyline and our narrative, and we're not moving from it. So what did Michelle say that was so fantastic, unbelievable? What did she say that was, it flayed and sliced and diced the president? It made a difference. Made a difference in the campaign. Let's, let's just listen to a little. Cut one, go. He is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. Wow. It is what it is. Fantastic. Now, I understand that my message won't be heard by some people. No. We live in a nation that is deeply divided, and Mm -hmm. I am a black woman speaking at the Democratic Convention. Now, hold on right there, Mr. Producer. You are? Who knew? Who knew? Why can't you just be a human being speaking at the Democrat convention? Why can't you just be a former first lady speaking at the Democrat convention? We know your skin pigmentation. I just don't... This, this Democrat party... And it's race baiting and it's identity politics, which it has done really since its creation, quite frankly, two centuries ago. It's really quite shocking. Martin Luther King never got up and said, I'm a black man speaking at an act. He just spoke. The power of his words, the power of his ideas. Man was brilliant and brave. Go ahead. 
but enough of you know me by now. You know that I tell you exactly what I'm feeling. You know, this reminds me of her husband. I, 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 I this, I'm this, you know, I, you know, me, you know, you know how I am. Wow. So far, nothing. Go ahead. You know, I hate politics. What? But you also politics know that- has politics has made you and your husband very wealthy. Very wealthy. I don't know why you hate it. I didn't even know you hated it. Did you know she hated it, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. That I care about this nation. You know how much I care about all of our children. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this Now, election. I'll tell you how I take this. I take this as a threat. I take this as a threat. You care about all the children? Then you need to speak out against what's happening to all the children. But you don't speak out against the rioters and the violence. Not one damn person at that convention, black, white, Latino, in between, whatever, not one of them spoke out against the violence. They care about all the children? Things can get worse. I want you to think about this. And she's praised by all newsrooms, whether it's Fox or CNN or MS, doesn't matter. All of them. Go ahead. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. Our lives depend on Joe Biden? If our lives depend on Joe Biden, why didn't her husband endorse Joe Biden during the busy primary period where there were, what, a dozen, dozen and a half Democrat candidates? He was the last one in. If our lives depend on voting for Joe Biden, why does he talk about Joe Biden the way he does her husband behind his back like Joe can still F this up? Go ahead. I know Joe. He is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. Apparently not so profoundly decent. According to Tara Reid and half a dozen or more other women who he's fondled. Apparently not. Another story out, another book coming out. Ten to one against Trump. But here's one about Biden. Both Bidens. Apparently it's not the story we've been led to believe for half a century. And I know Joe Biden too, ladies and gentlemen. And I know what he did to Robert Bork. And I know what he did to Clarence Thomas. And I know what he did to other wonderful men and women with whom he disagreed. He destroyed them or he sought to. He is not a decent man. He is a character assassin. And it's too damn bad we don't have any real journalists when this is going on to push back. They either don't have the guts or the wits to do it. Certainly not the integrity. Go ahead. He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic, and lead our country. And of course he doesn't. 
because we've talked about what took place in 2009. It's been all over Politico and other publications that support Biden, effectively. The record is the record. He didn't rescue any economy. The economy never grew over 3% under these two, Biden and Obama. He rescued nothing. Go ahead. And he listens. Of course he listens. He can't talk. He can't finish his sentence. But anyway, go ahead. Truth and trust science. He will make smart plans and manage a good team. And he will govern as someone who's lived a life that the rest of us can recognize. No, I don't recognize a life where you've served in government half a century. Do you recognize a life where you've spent almost your entire career in the Senate, then as vice president, ladies and gentlemen? Of course you don't. Because that's not normal. Joe Biden spent 15 minutes in the private sector. No more. He has no experience in the private sector. So he has no experience on how to figure out how to get an economy moving. None. This is the fantastic speech they're talking about. Goes on just a little bit more. Cut to go. Right now, kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. I don't know what you mean, empathy of one another. I see no empathy from the Democrats from Michelle Obama. When it comes to the people who are being brutalized in our communities and in our inner cities as a result of these riots, I see no empathy from the Democrats, the Democrat mayors, or Michelle Obama on all the small business people, including minorities, who've lost everything as a result of the looting and the arson. I see no empathy from the Obamas when it comes to school choice, the same school choice they had For poor inner-city minority kids, particularly black kids, who are forced to go to the government facility down the street and whose parents know there are better schools in the community, but they cannot afford to send their kids there, and the Obamas do not believe they should be able to. Is that the empathy she's talking about? The empathy. When Kamala Harris attacked Brett Kavanaugh the way she did because she disagreed with him? Tried to ruin him and ruin his family? Is that the kind of empathy she's talking about? No, I don't think so. The Democrats, the left, the Obamas have no more empathy than anybody else. And I would argue because of their ideology, they have a hell of a lot less. A hell of a lot less. Go ahead. They're looking around wondering if we've been lying to them this whole time about who we are and what we truly value. They see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask to keep us all safe. Shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask. Really? Is that what you see, Michelle Obama? Do you see Antifa anywhere? Black Lives Matter anywhere? Do you see a federal courthouse under attack? Do you see police officers who we should respect, peace officers, who are being brutalized, who are being blinded, who are getting concussions, people pulled from their trucks and their cars and beaten to a pulp? How about that, Michelle, rather than people not wearing masks at the grocery stores? And I don't know about you folks, I go to a grocery store a lot, and 99.9% of the people are wearing masks, so I don't know what grocery store she goes to, or even if she ever goes to one, 
I have no idea what she's talking about. Go ahead. They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. There you go. People calling the police just because of the color of their skin. One moron in New York. That's what she sees in the last three or four months. That's what she sees. She sees nothing that the rest of us see. She sees none of our reality. And this is what they're praising in the media. This is what they think is magnificent in the media. Because they're completely and fundamentally in the tank, corrupt, and out of touch. I'll be right back. Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive in Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Let's finish with Michelle's fantastic speech. Go ahead. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here. What? Greed whoa, is whoa, 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 whoa. Who says that? If you're here illegally, we have a tradition in this country. We enforce our border laws and our immigration laws. And your husband knew this. He deported people. Go ahead. And winning is everything because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to everyone else. What, what, what are you talking about? This man gave up a multi-billion dollar business to be president of the United States. You guys have become enormously rich as a result of the office you used to hold. You're selling your prior office. Go ahead. What happens when that lack of empathy is ginned up into outright disdain? They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens. All right, we're out of time, I hate to tell you. She accuses the president of embracing white supremacists and also putting little kids in cages, which, of course, those photos are from her husband, to whom she's married, first lady, putting little kids in cages. It was a disgrace. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the voice Liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. You know, these newsrooms are so appalling and so many of them are so corrupt. So you have these, these big Democrat figures speaking, none of them taking on the violence in these Democrat cities. Not one of them. Not one of them standing up for law enforcement. Not one of them. She doesn't mention Michelle Obama. People being pulled out of their cars and out of their trucks. Then the other day it was a white man pulled out of his truck and beaten to a pulp and kicked in his head. Nothing. And the week before that it was a five-year-old little white kid shot in the head by the neighbor who was black. This is the identity politics, right? We're not even supposed to talk about human beings, harming human beings. She doesn't talk about the crime in the inner cities, the mass murder taking place in these inner cities. Vast majority of black-on-black crime, black-on-black murder. She didn't talk about those little babies. We've seen them. She didn't talk about MS-13 and other horrific organizations that come into this country and kill our people. Not a word. It's like two different worlds. She talks in platitude. She talks about generality. She didn't say anything particularly profound. She attacks the President of the United States. She talks about Charlottesville. Lies about Charlottesville. Lies about the cages. Even the Associated Press They're fact-checker, and they hate Trump, had a corrector. And it could get worse, she says. In other words, if you don't elect Joe Biden, we're going to make sure it gets worse. The Democrat Party, the left, unbelievable. She was so upset. She says, children are torn from their families and thrown in the cages. So upset at that horror that her husband was doing it. Those photos that we saw were from 2015. Barack Obama photos. 
that even AP had to say, wait a minute, those are from the Obama administration. So horrified was she, she didn't lift a finger. She probably didn't even know about it. The Democrats, including Obama, are trying to create a monster out of our president. They're trying to create something that does not exist. And then they're trying to rile up people, get them angry. It's not enough what's going on in our inner cities. It's not enough what's going on now beginning in our outer suburbs. It's not enough that people have lost hope in their government. It's not enough that police forces are standing down. Record numbers of retirements. It's apparently not enough. And the media in Washington, D.C., and the media in New York thinks this was a fantastic speech. That it scored points. It scored points. It's a disgrace. The Democrat Party's a disgrace. It's a disgrace that they're nominating a man who is incapable, mentally substantively incapable of being president of the United States. And they don't care. And they don't care. It's really quite shocking. Now what are we talking about in this election that really needs to be talked about by our newsrooms rather than them giving their opinion on somebody's speech? As they continue... To cross the line from news to opinion. What is it? Well, Bernie Sanders tells us over and over again what's going on. Here he was just the other day addressing the DNC Youth Council. Actually, today, addressing the DNC Youth Council. Cut 17, go. When Joe Biden is elected president, when we have a Democratic House, when we have a Democratic Senate, we can begin the process of transforming this government, and our nation. That's it. Does that sound like a pragmatic moderate to you? The only way you can transform this government and our nation is through amendments to the Constitution. But apparently that's a quaint notion. They intend to transform this government. They've built this massive Leviathan in Washington, D.C. It is ubiquitous. Its tentacles reach everywhere. They're going to muscle it up. They're going to devour the suburbs. They're going to devour parts of the Constitution with fiats and regulations. They're going to stuff the court. They've told us what they're going to do. This is what they are going to do. And that apparently isn't newsworthy. It's shocking. It's lawless. Here's a piece. From today, excuse me, yesterday evening, in Politico. Politico, a liberal site. Progressives prepare to put the squeeze on Joe Biden. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden speaks about economic recovering during a campaign event. Joe Biden was just about the last Democrat the progressives wanted as the nominee. But now that he's the one taking on President Donald Trump, they're working harder to put him in office than they ever did for Hillary Clinton, than planning to give him hell the minute he sets foot in the White House. I'm quoting. In conversations from more than two dozen left-wing elected officials, labor leaders, and strategists in the days before the Democratic National Convention, 
progressives, a.k.a. Marxists, Marxists, described an attitude toward Biden that is strikingly different from their previous relationships with either Clinton or former President Barack Obama, which could have enormous consequences with regards to the shape and power of a Biden administration. We're getting sirens, not from Drudge. He's a sellout. He's done. We're getting sirens all over the place warning us about this. The Democratic Party's left flank is firmly united with moderate Democrats behind the goal of ousting Trump, with former Bernie Sanders aides and allies creating super PACs and promising to spend millions to elect Biden in a way they never did for Clinton. What do they see, ladies and gentlemen? But progressives who are emboldened after successfully ousting several entrenched Democrats in recent primaries are also clear. Unlike with Obama, there will be no honeymoon for Biden. So Obama was a moderate to these nuts. Biden is exactly what the vice president said. A Trojan horse. Or the president has said. An empty suit. He's a front man. That's it. That's why he doesn't want to take questions. That's why he doesn't want to take a, a, a campaign. He's masking all that with a mask. If they follow through, writes Politico, Biden's ability to cut deals with Republicans, a central pledge of his campaign, would be hemmed in from day one. Signs are everywhere that progressives, a.k.a. Marxists, are unbowed. Former staffers to Charles Booker, who came close to defeating establishment pick Amy McGrath in Kentucky's Senate race this year, are making plans to create a group to help put progressives in the chamber. Top Medicare for All activists are in talks about forming a PAC to put single-payer advocates in office and fight the policy's enemies. In other words, Stalinist centralized health care. A Freedom Caucus for the left is being discussed. And even before they've defeated Trump, progressives are warning Biden that he or his running mate Harris might be challenged in the 2024 primary if they're not sufficiently progressive. While they're taking on a historic female black woman. No matter, they're the left. They can do whatever they want. Our movement is ascendant, said Joseph Hesse, if that is his name, executive director of the Sanders-founded group Our Revolution. How many times have I said that these rioters, that Antifa, Black Lives Matter, these are really Bernie Sanders supporters dressed up as something else. That's who they are. They are Marxists. This entire convention is being controlled by Sanders and the Marxists. The iron fist is hidden by a glove. But the glove will be removed should they win the minute, the minute after the election. And that iron fist will be used on you. Our movement is ascendant, said Joseph Jivarhesi, executive director of the Sanders-founded group Our Revolution. Finds, founds a group called Our Revolution. The risk that Biden or Harris faces is a challenge from the left in 2024 if they govern as third-wayers or do Clinton-esque triangulation. They're not messing around. You either meet their demands or they'll burn the system down. Isn't that what that guy said in New York? The head of Black Lives Matter in New York? It's what Alinsky said. While progressive members of Congress are not yet willing to threaten their party's 2024 ticket, 
with an electoral challenge the way activists are, they are already alerting Biden that they will challenge him legislatively. Two of their top priorities are a massive green jobs plan and a health care proposal that makes Biden's public option as robust as possible. We have to continue to push for our values, continue to push and advocate for people to join the administration. They're progressive, said Representative Ro Kahana, Democrat, California. Ro Kahana is a nut. She's a 2020 Sanders campaign co-chair, she told Politico. I'm confident progressives will have a big, big role in the Biden administration. They're going to take over the federal government. They're going to secrete themselves into the massive bureaucracy. And they're going to be welcomed with open arms by the leftists who are already there. Mondaire Jones, the Sanders-endorsed Democrat who won the primary this year in New York's 17th Congressional District, is expected to carry the general election was more blunt. She said, quote, maybe it's a he. I have no idea. In Congress, progressives must act in a voting block. We should be withholding our support, <coughs> excuse me, for legislation that they consider too watered down. We're going to take a short break, but I'm going to continue. Because they're telling Politico, and Politico is telling us exactly what their plans are. They are Marxists, and they mean business. And they intend to act through Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the front man who they hope to get elected. Because they know Sanders can't get elected. Well, he wasn't nominated, but he couldn't get elected by the people generally. So they'll use Biden. Which is why the New York Times and AP and Stephanopoulos and the others are saying, oh, they're moderate and pragmatic. When they're neither. And I'll be right back. in. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, it'd be nice if Melania got one-tenth of the positive coverage that Michelle gets. It really would. I mean, she's an immigrant. She speaks five languages fluently. She's obviously a very beautiful woman. She is a self-made woman. She didn't get political jobs in the Chicago machine because we all know how Michelle hates politics. But Melania made her own way as a uh, top model. 
and made a small fortune on top of it. Maybe not so small even. So she's a real independent woman. She's a real businesswoman. She's a real uh, person who, who's led the American dream independently. You can see the disparate treatment, can't you? It's pretty really incredible and disgusting. It goes on, and I'll complete this uh, at least to the top of the hour. Even if Biden wins and Democrats take back the Senate, progressives will face serious hurdles. And so they're talking about the past major legislation. Biden will need the votes of conservative moderate Democrats, such as Manchin of West Virginia, uh, Sinema of uh, Arizona, Sinema of Arizona. And while Biden may be eyeing an FDR-like president, he's also still a longtime deficit hawk who opposes left-wing priorities such as Medicare for all. Well, he doesn't anymore. Those days are over. If the squad doubles in size this year, which seems very well like it could, that's a pretty remarkable transformation, said Karthik Ganafi, a Democratic strategist who worked on Sanders' 2016 campaign. So you see all these Sanders handlers, ideologues, operatives, consultants are everywhere. They have swamped the Biden campaign. They are in charge. They are in charge. This is why Look, when the New York Times says something, believe the opposite. They lie and lie and lie, whether it's the Holocaust or whether it's this. One of the biggest challenges facing the left is itself. The movement has a reputation of being young, white, and college educated, while attempting a takeover party with a base of older black people who tend to support more moderate candidates. Well, that won't matter, because if they're in control of the administration... If they're in control of the bureaucracy, it doesn't matter what other people think. They'll be spitting out radical left-wing anti-American regulations as fast as possible. And they'll be enshrining themselves in the bureaucracy by the hundreds and the thousands. I'll be back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Oh my God, they just keep replaying this Michelle Obama speech. It's unbelievable. Yes, I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's just too bad they didn't endorse him like in the early part of the prime. Even they waited till it was over and they still sat on their hands. But now it's, my God, we got to have Joe. All this talk about mail-in voting. You know what? You know what I've decided? I've made an executive decision behind this microphone. I'm going to spend half... Half of Life, Liberty, and Levin going deep into this mail-in voting issue. Don't you think that's a good idea, Mr. Producer? I'm going to spend half, and then I'm going to spend the other half, I've decided, to go into deeply. Well, I'm not going to say everything. Then, then all the idiots in broadcasting will do this. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Maybe I won't. Excuse me. Maybe I won't. All right. What did Mark say? How about we do that tonight? No, just call cool it. Cool it, broadcasters, cool it. 
Jill Biden. What do we know about Jill Biden? Well, she has a PhD. She wants to be called Dr. Biden. Dr. Biden. Well, there was a time when Biden played doctor, and apparently she played nurse, Mr. Producer. Don't look at me. I'm just looking at these stories. This is from the Daily Wire. Jill Biden's first husband. Here's the real story of how Jill and Joe met. I'm sure this will be on the front page of the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, such fabulous news organizations. According to Jill Biden's first husband, Bill Stevenson, the story she and her present husband, prospective Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, tell of how they met after she divorced Stevenson is not true. Now, wait a minute. Michelle Obama said Biden's a decent man who tells the truth. You mean he's not? Stevenson claims Joe Biden was having an affair with his wife while she was still married to him. In 2008, the New York Times reported on how Joe Biden explained meeting his present wife, Jill. Senator Joseph R. Biden Jr. has said he first saw pictures of Jill Jacobs in March of 1975 in an advertisement for a local park in Wilmington, Delaware. The young blonde caught his eye. She was beautiful. You might call it drop-dead gorgeous. That night, his brother Frank told him he had the number of a young woman that the senator would like, mainly because she did not like politics. Now, right there, does that make any sense? His younger brother had the number? Mr. Biden called her the next day and asked her out for that very night. She was busy. Biden persisted. He was in town for only one night. Couldn't she change her plans? She did, finally. When Mr. Biden arrived to pick her up, she turned out to be the woman in the advertisement. Now, do you believe that? Come on! You know, that woman, in that advertisement for a local park, she's drop-dead gorgeous. Oh, well. Hey, little brother Frank, what? I have a number for a young woman you might want to meet. Oh, okay. Who is it? My God, it's the woman in the picture. Unbelievable. Exactly. Incredible, even. The Bidens, who've been married since 1977, have publicly said that they met on a blind date in 1975. The Joe became a widower and Jill's first marriage had broken up, the New York Post reported. Speaking to the Daily Mail in an exclusive interview from his home in Wilmington, Delaware, Stevenson stated, quote, I don't want to hurt anyone, but facts are facts, and what happened, happened. Stevenson asserted that he first met Jill in August of 1969, saying... I was leaving for Woodstock the following day. I was at a car wash, and she and her friend came over to admire my 1968 Z28 Chevy Camaro. It was yellow with black stripes, all the rage at the time. I was going to my friend's birthday party that night, so I invited them along. There were four good-looking girls in that apartment, and I thought, the more the merrier. The rest is history. Stevenson, who is the founder of The Stone Balloon, a famed live music club that Rolling Stone once called the best-kept secret in rock and roll, continued that he married Jill Jacobs in 1970, adding, it was February, I believe it was the 7th. Two years later, as Biden ran for the Senate, the Stevensons worked on his campaign, Stevenson claimed. Now, Biden was still married to his first wife, Nelia, 
who was tragically killed along with their one-year-old daughter, Naomi, in a car crash before Biden was sworn into the Senate. He, uh, Stevenson said, Jill and I sat in the Biden's kitchen. We worked on his campaign. I gave $10,900 to his first campaign in cash. The Daily Mail continued. Stevenson said he first suspected Biden and Jill were having an affair in August 1974. Now, keep in mind, August 1974 would be before the tragic accident involving uh, Joe Biden's wife. He was then 26, Jill was 23, and Joe was 31. No, I don't think I have the dates right. When did his uh, wife pass away? Maybe it was 1972. In any event, it doesn't matter. Let me go on. Let's see, I lost my place. Stevenson said, uh, let's see, Stevenson said he first suspected Biden and Joe were having an affair in August 1974. He was then 26, Joe was 23, Joe was 31. Stevenson said, I know exactly when it was. Bruce Springsteen was going to play at the Stone Balloon, and I had to go to northern New Jersey to pay him in advance. Oh yeah, that Bruce likes his cash in advance. I asked Jill to go with me, and she said no. She had things to do. She had to look after Joe's kids, Bo and Hunter. It's kind of a big deal to go to meet Springsteen. I had... No idea she and Joe were that kind of friendly. Then one of her best friends told me she thought Joe and Joe were getting a little too close. I was surprised that she came to me. Stevenson said that in October 1974, I was at work and a guy came in and asked, Do you own a brown Corvette? I said, Yes, it's my wife's car. He said back in May, it had crunched his bumper. And they told him to get an estimate and he never heard back from them. I said, Wait a minute, who is they? And he said, funnily enough, Senator Biden was driving. Could have been worse, could have been Senator Kennedy. Senator Biden was driving. Stevenson concluded, I asked Jill to leave the house, which she did. Her father was begging me to take her back when he found out what was going on. He asked me to give her a second chance, but I wasn't interested. I considered Joe a friend. I'm not surprised he fell in love with Jill. Everyone who meets Jill falls in love with her immediately. It's, it's hard not to. I met her once. I didn't fall in love with her. Stevenson said he has an autobiography in the works. Maybe Simon & Schuster will publish it. Maybe my friends at Simon & Schuster will publish it. I mean, they've published every other gossip book that's out there against Trump. He said it's ready to go. They can print 30,000 copies in 10 days. I generally don't want to harm Jill's chances of becoming First Lady. She'd make an excellent first lady, but this is my story. It's not a bitter book. I'm not, a, I'm not bitter because if it wasn't for my divorce, I would never have met my wife, Linda. And she's the greatest thing in my life. But it does have facts in it that aren't pleasant to Jill and Joe. People ask me how I can go back 40 years, but I'm not. I'm not going back 72 years to tell my life story. Just 40. I think I'll find a... A big publisher, like Simon & Schuster? Why shouldn't he, right? Wouldn't that book sell? I wonder what Tara Reid thinks about all this. And all the other women who've come forward that Joe has fondled. In one way or another. I find it interesting. People are saying... Well, the Me Too movement and the Democrat Party's embrace of the Me Too movement and the Hollywood movement and all the rest of it... 
you have Bill Clinton speaking. I guess we can now say, but you have Joe Biden speaking too. Right? And I'm sure the media that have been obsessed with Donald Trump's background and women and all the rest, I'm sure they're going to get right on top of this. That is, that is, if they can get over Michelle Obama's speech first. Which they're still talking about. Oh my God. I've never seen a speech like that. Unbelievable. The way she filleted and sliced. My God, it's the speech of speeches that could turn the election. And as I say, in 48 or 72 hours, nobody's going to even remember she gave a speech. Oh well. I'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. So, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Cuomo spoke at the uh, Democrat convention. I thought he should have been speaking from prison at the Democrat convention because I can't think of a modern politician who deserves to be in prison, to be punished more than Andrew Cuomo. It's too bad there's no criminal statutes in New York for the mass killing of senior citizens based on a policy that he had to know, we all knew, the moment we heard it, will result in widespread death of senior citizens. And to this day, he has rejected an independent investigation. The Democrats who want to investigate the post office don't want to investigate Cuomo. There's been really no independent review of what this man did to thousands and thousands of human beings, New Yorkers. And there he is speaking at the Democrat convention. I don't believe Michelle Obama actually brought him up either, did, did she? No. But her speech was a damn good speech. Oh. So Cuomo just cut a big book deal. He just cut a book deal with Crown Publishing. Crown Publishing. And you know what he's going to write about? His experience, his successful leadership during this coronavirus crisis in New York. And uh, he chronicles it in a book he's going to call American Crisis. He's such a moron. The American Crisis was a pamphlet written by Thomas Paine. How do I know? Because I donated one to the Hillsdale College. It's a fantastic pamphlet by Thomas Paine. He can't even come up with his own title. 
The Daily Wire reports that in his own voice, Andrew Cuomo chronicles an American crisis. The ingenuity and sacrifice required of so many to fight the pandemic. Sharing his personal reflections of the decision-making that shaped his policy and offers his frank accounting and assessment of his interactions with the federal government and the White House, as well as other state and local political and health officials. In an excerpt published by Crown, Sky is, has a book deal, has obviously ghostwriters and editors. While... The people in New York are dying from his incompetence. An excerpt published by Crown, Cuomo emphasized the importance of controlling fear in guiding New York's response. Quote, the questions are, what do you do with the fear and would you succumb to it? The Democratic governor said, I would not allow the fear to control me. The fear kept my adrenaline high and that was a positive. But I would not let the fear be a negative. I would not spread it. Fear is a virus also. This is a failed governor, not just a disaster. He's disgusting. He's unconscionable in what he did. Since July, the New York governor has made regular pronouncements about New York's purported victory over the virus, even publishing a New York Tough poster depicting a state's daily case count as a steep mountain that he and New York has worked together to overcome. Cuomo has also derided the pandemic response of President Trump and other governors, such as Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, for, quote, playing politics, unquote, with the virus. Despite flattening the state's curve, if you will, of the coronavirus cases and deaths weeks ago, Newark still has the largest total death count in the nation, more than states that have a bigger population, like Texas, Florida, and California. Nearly 33,000. The state is the second largest death count when controlled for population following New Jersey. As much as a third in New York's total death count may have come from long-term care facilities across the state, Because he's fixing those numbers, fixing a meeting, making it impossible to know what they are, according to an investigation by the Associated Press. Cuomo issued a much-criticized order on March 25, and we broke it right here, mandating that nursing homes must accept hospitalized residents upon the release, whether or not these patients have tested positive for the coronavirus. He rescinded the order on May 11, but not before forcing hundreds of infected seniors into dozens of nursing homes that had previously not reported a single case of the virus. And New York's official tally of nursing home deaths sits around 6,600. But the state has admitted the figure does not include all the deaths of nursing home residents. Why? Around April 28, the New York State Department of Health changed the way it counted coronavirus deaths connected to nursing homes. Officials stopped attributing the deaths of nursing home residents to nursing homes if they died outside the facility, such as in a hospital or while being transported to a hospital. So that if they have the virus in the nursing home and they get them to the hospital and they die, they're not counting that against the nursing home. Have you heard anybody complain about any of this? But I'll tell you what, that Michelle Obama speech, my God, that'll be memorable. That'll be memorable. That'll that'll be a long-lasting memory of at least 90 minutes. Deaths of nursing home and adult care facility residents that occurred at hospitals is accounted for in the overall fatality data on our COVID-19 tracker, said the uh, health department in New York. Well, of course. When questioned about the March 25 order, Cuomo sidestepped addressing his action, whether it contributed to the New York... uh, New York's death count. 
and his health people investigation of the policy blamed the significant toll on virus played on New York nursing homes on health care workers. He's got a book deal. A book deal. Crown Publisher under Penguin Random House. The title is American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. And they want to release it on October 13th, three weeks before the November election. So this has been done extremely fast. Let me tell you how this works. Somebody went up to this guy who's not writing at all. Told him, we'll get ghostwriters to write this thing for you. I don't use ghostwriters. I despise them. We'll get ghostwriters to write this thing for you. We'll let you review it, maybe edit it. We're going to slap your name on it. We're going to pay you a great deal of money or we can donate it, whatever you want. We're going to tell your story about your magnificent leadership. And you can use this to run in 2024. You can use it to bash Trump. You can use it for all these purposes. That's what he's doing in the middle of all this, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he's doing. And it should infuriate each and every one of you, whether you're a New Yorker or not. As they trash the President of the United States. The only people who make money off all this stuff, Cuomo's making money off the virus. I'm going to give it to charity. You're going to take deductions for that, Cuomo? I guess the Attorney General of New York is going to investigate you? How about the U.S. Attorney, the Southern District? No, 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 no. He's kosher, as we like to say. The Obamas make more money after they left office than any ex-president and any ex-first lady in modern history, in any history. And they're just praised and slobbered all over. They're multiple estates, stepping all over the little people in Hawaii and in Chicago. It doesn't matter. She's down for, I've never heard a speech like this before. And wait, we can't wait for Obama. He's the voice of God, for God's sakes. I'll be right back. Are you an individual or business owner facing the heavy burden of back taxes, levies, or wage garnishments? Life's challenges, especially those brought on by the economic impact of COVID-19 and inflation, can take a toll on your financial well-being. Now, the IRS has eliminated over a billion dollars in tax penalties and interest for back taxes. America First Tax Group is here to help you claim your share of these billions in tax relief before the IRS can claim the government share and clamp down. Call them now, 800-806-1299. The IRS has people working to collect your money, but it's time to turn the tables, folks. America First Tax Group is a full-service tax boutique that puts clients first. They understand the stress of dealing with tax problems, and they will be your guide through the process. Don't wait. Time is of the essence. Call America First Tax Group. Here's the number, 800-806-1299. 800-806-1299. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. I couldn't believe we were being evicted from our home that we didn't even sell. Now, that was Deborah. That's what she said when she learned she was the victim of home title fraud, which is a devastating crime that can cost you your home. You might want to listen to this. Title fraud is not. It's not covered by insurance or common identity theft services. The only folks to trust to protect your home's title is Home Title Lock. 
cyber thieves discover the titles to our homes are kept online. They forge your name on your deed stating you sold your home and refile as the new owner. And in Deborah's case, she didn't know she was a victim until the eviction notice actually arrived. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect tampering, they mobilize it, and then they shut it down. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and you don't know it. HomeTitleLock.com. Then use code MARK. HomeTitleLock.com, one word, code MARK. You'll get 30 free days of protection. But you need to get the protection. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Code MARK for 30 days of protection. All right. Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, my screen is not up. To whom shall I speak? Do we have any irregular Americans or only regular Americans? Just regulars. All right. 870, the answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. How are you, sir? John, you're on. How are you? Good. um, I just wanted to comment on this rogues gallery of speakers at the DNC convention. I mean, you've got Bill Clinton with clouds hanging over his head. You have Andrew Cuomo with clouds hanging over his head. These are these are essentially despicable people. It's a rogues gallery of despicable people. I don't care what your uh, political affiliations are. Mm-hmm. It's and just, it's shocking. It's really shocking. I mean, anybody are, are you surprised? You know, it's interesting. Viewership is down twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent. With me, I'm down 100%. How about you? <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too, absolutely. I knew it was going to be a bloodbath. I knew they were just going to just, you know, eviscerate Trump. That was the whole point of the whole thing. You know, and uh, people say we have to do these sorts of things because of the virus. Right. Do you, do, you, do you not find this amazing that we have a man who claims to be running for president of the United States, and there are days upon days when we don't even see him? We yep. don't even see him. We don't even hear from him. Yep. Well, wait that's, till the debates. That's going to be, if they happen, that's going to be amazing. It's going to be like, whoa. And isn't it amazing <laughs> that the president wants another debate early when early voting starts? And so the Democrats just want to keep talking about mail-in voting as they try and set us up, the American people, where they win if they lose and if they claim to win, you can't challenge it. They, I've got this down. I've been talking about this for weeks. They're, they're very stupid. It's very easy to predict. And if they didn't have 100% media behind them, uh, they would be quite, uh, they would be a failed party in every respect. But that said, it, it is amazing to me. When you just think about it and pull back, I know we've talked about it. We have a candidate, supposedly, for president of the United States who won't campaign. He won't campaign. His idea of campaigning is a 20-minute drive down to a place where he goes to a micro. He won't campaign. He won't even – Trump is flying to different airports. He's talking to people. He's, he's getting, this guy won't do it. And, he, and even before this, this virus, he wouldn't talk more than seven, eight minutes at a time. So everybody knows what's going on. It's literally, to me, it's shocking that we have to play along with the Democrat Party and the media here. He should be disqualified. Well, the thing is that these mass mail-out ballots, that's the whole, the whole secret sauce is 
mail out ballots for your dog, your 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 parakeet, whatever, your dead your dead. And your ball- and your mailing list is only as good as the state lists. And the state lists are a disaster by design. Absolutely. They have not been updated, they have not been purged or flushed. And the thing is that uh, look at Virginia, half a million ballots that are that are totally invalid in that's that's right. one state. Two hundred thousand in a little state like Nevada. Yeah, so the thing is Get the mass ballots out. Just get them out there. And if, if you happen to find, if you're a harvester and you happen to find one in the gutter, or if you happen to find one in a trash can in an apartment building, just scoop it up and fill it out, mail it in, mm-hmm. count it. So if the whole thing from the beginning was the fix was in on the beginning, they already had planned this, and I know they have planned this mass mail out ballot, which has nothing to do. People are conflating. they're so diabolical, John. That we see a virus and we're trying to kill the virus. They see a virus and they see power. Absolutely. It's all about power with them. All about power. And all about their party. Their party matters more than the country. They want to fundamentally transform the country. Do you ever hear them talk about fundamentally transforming their party? No. 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 But, but I, have been, I have been laid up with a uh, rehabilitating from massive major surgery for the last six months. And I have been glued to you know, radio programs like yourself, which I highly appreciate, other media outlets. And... Uh, Cuomo and uh, de Blasio in particular, the minute the virus was serious, they started talking about the fundamental change that America was undergoing. There would there, there'd be a new normal, they, they said. Yeah. A right. new normal, yep. which is yep. abnormal, of course. <laughs> exactly. All right, my friend, are you okay now? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the mend. I'm it's on a the mend. Ma- major surgery, six months. All right, you take care of yourself, John. We need your vote. And you sound like a good guy. Wendy, Huntington, New York, the great WABC, the other side of the country. How are you, Wendy? I'm doing good, thank you. You got I'm it. a regular American. Thank you. Speak to me. Lower the radio. Oh, jeez. Holy cow. Yes. Holy cow. Oh, yes. my God. Listen, I was, I was so... All right. I know. I, you're mesmerized by my genius. Go right ahead. No, actually, actually, I'm shocked that I even gotten, got through to you. You did? So, I, really? So listen, when you were yes. talking about Governor Cuomo's book, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the Cuomo COVID greatest hits, and I was wondering if he was going to include these in his book. Like, for example, how he was so late to close things down in New York, particularly New York City, when Trump had... Um, the flights canceled January 31st mm-hmm. from China. Or maybe he's going to include that nice little color coding system that we could use the 400 ventilators for, like who's going to get what if somebody, you know, gets... That's right. He had, uh, he had a list of those who weren't going to make it. How about that? And how about this? Maybe he'll, like, talk about all the vandalized property from all of these protesters. Maybe he'll include that. Or, you know, and how police were told to stand down. How about uh, this? Why I was short on ventilators, why I was short on ICU beds, why I was short on PPE, uh, why, I, why I shoved people into nursing homes. I mean, I can think of a lot of chapters he might want to write. This. Um, how about this, where the subways were not sanitized until May, I think towards the end of May, and they ran fewer trains. Yeah, right. We talked more- about that. More density. Listen, I listen to your show, so I know. You're brilliant, and, um, young lady. I, no, well, I have a good teacher. And then, of course, defunding the police. I mean, seriously? Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, the only mm-hmm. other thing I want to say is I'm just amazed by the shamelessness and the hubris of these politicians. I love that word, hubris. Go right ahead. Yes. 
And that's really what I want to say, oh, great one. They're really bastards. Can I use that word? That's, that's how I see it. All right, my friend Wendy, I appreciate it. By the way, I want to tell you a secret. Because the media are not going to tell you. You ready for this secret? Everybody ready for this secret? It's from Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review. Ready? This is a secret. The media might keep it a secret, but the hospitals, listen, the hospitals have quietly emptied out their beds of coronavirus patients. As large swaths of the country appear to have hit a de facto herd immunity threshold. You listening? No matter how much good news there is, however, those who treat us as subjects continue to create false panic, extend draconian ineffective restrictions on liberty, and refuse to put out an exit strategy. They're rapidly turning this lockdown into our domestic Afghanistan. It's now becoming clear from every state and country that has reached saturation levels of the virus that the virus burns out roughly around the 20% zero prevalence benchmark, not at 80% threshold of the fear mongers predicted. Whether it's Sweden, New York, or Arizona, the virus is going to do what it does, meaning it spreads for about six weeks in a given region, and then it moves on. The only question is whether we will continue to destroy our society Mental health and economy or achieve herd immunity without adding the man-made death toll. Herd immunity is going to happen whether we want it to or not. Still, Dr. Fauci, ever the media showman refuses to understand the simple math that others like Nobel laureate Michael Levitt, Oxford epidemiology, Sunutra Gupta, and Stanford professor John Ioannidis, brilliant man, have observed from day one, much less the science behind it. Fauci said the death toll from herd immunity would be, quote, enormous and unacceptable, unquote. If everyone contracted it, even with the relatively high percentage of people without symptoms, Fauci said, a lot of people are going to die. But now let's put aside the fact that it's not like he has an alternative solution anyway, given that countries like Israel and the Philippines had severe and long lockdowns, and they were unsustainable, leading to a late spread despite universal mask wearing. Fauci is assuming that everyone must contract the virus. But study after study has shown that an enormous percentage of the population already has partial immunity, which explains why the virus always seems to hit a brick wall in most places after reaching 20% of the population, more or less. That's the secret. That hospitals are emptying out of COVID patients. That doesn't make good for a headline. But it's true. The hospital beds are emptying of the COVID patients. And when you hit a 20% infection rate, it moves on. Meaning a lot of people have already had it. Meaning herd immunity is occurring whether Mr. Fauci, excuse me, excuse me, oh, oh, it's like Dr. Jill can't, no, nah, no, nah, it's like Dr. Fauci says. He's wrong again. He's wrong again. And Horowitz looks at the statistics. You can see this yourself at Conservative Review. 
As of August 13, according to the CDC's surveillance program, those with coronavirus-like illnesses are just 1.8% of emergency department visits, which matches the June 6 level before the surge in the South, and early July was up to 4.3. Those numbers have bottomed out even lower than May levels, even in the South. Coronavirus patients make up fewer than 3% of patients in every single region of the country. According to the AP, Florida reported about 3,900 new cases of the virus Sunday, the lowest daily total in nearly two months. Hello! Hello! Emergency room visits for COVID-like illnesses are down 63% since the peak in July. Arizona has long been past its peak, even though the media continues to act as if the state is on fire. Arizona's hospital census is the lowest it has been since June 3rd. And although Mondays are usually light reporting days, the state reported zero deaths yesterday and fewer than 500 new cases in the entire state. In Texas, hospitalizations are down 43% from the July 22 peak and declining rapidly. Even the border counties, which were hit harder than almost anywhere in the country, they've declined after a tough July. Clearly, the southern states barely got exposed to the virus early on in the spring and have now reached their degree of saturation. Except, contrary to the predictions by panic commentators of multiple New York-level death traps being replaced all over the country, these states kept the situation under control without anything near New York's level of death and panic. Ian Miller pointed out, on April 13, in New York and New Jersey combined, a population of 28.2 million had 26,606 COVID hospitalizations. Today, Arizona, California, Georgia, Florida, and Texas, with a combined population of 108 million, almost five times the combined population of New York and New Jersey, they have 21,271 COVID patients. And remember, we are better now at identifying the full population of COVID cases than we were in March. What's becoming clear? What does all this mean? Every major population area is going to achieve this herd immunity 15 to 20% threshold, whether they like it or not. Even in many unnaturally confined places like ships, prisons, and meatpacking plants, although there are some exceptions, the infection rate seems to be at just 25%, where one would think in these areas it would be 100%. That could be the power of long-lasting T-cell immunity. For much of the population that has already gotten partial immunity from having previously contacted coronavirus colds, unless they are immunocompromised. Same when you look at New York City versus Stockholm. So he looks at the statistics. The experts are looking at the statistics. Dr. Fauci apparently is not looking at the statistics. Dr. Burks is apparently not looking. Wear a mask. Better yet, wear a rubberized burka. Even at home, when you take a bath, wear a mask. Take a shower, wear a mask. And I would say to Nancy Pelosi, even when we're through all this, please do wear a mask. It's a health benefit and a mental health benefit to all the rest of us. I'll be right back. Mark 
Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash L-E-V-I-N. I want to thank you folks in my audience. I'm very blessed to have you here, Levinites. And uh, our ratings on this program are not only through the roof, our numbers on the podcast are through the roof. Our subscriptions on Levin TV are through the roof at Blaze TV. And our ratings on the Fox show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, it's three or four weeks in a row where we are number one overall audience of all the shows on Sunday. We're on at 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's due to you. I want to thank you very, very much. We work very hard, but we also try to be very substantive and interesting and compelling. Uh, but uh, I want to thank you very, very much for uh, all that you do and your great concern for this country. You will not read that <coughs> excuse me, anywhere. You will not read about our numbers on the Sunday show, which are really massive for an 8 p.m. show on Sunday. And now almost week after week, you won't read that anywhere. It's another secret we have to keep. Just like the hospital patients for COVID-19 are thinning out. Can't say that. No, no. Might help Trump. One of the things we're learning right now is the difference between what we conservatives believe and what the radical left believes. We believe in the rule of law. They believe in anarchy. We respect our founders and our history, and they want to tear them down. We believe in liberty. They believe in tyranny. We believe in the truth. Well, they believe what they hear on CNN or read in the New York Times. Now, our friends at the Media Research Center have captured this beautifully in some billboards they just put up. I love it when they do these billboards. I've actually driven by some of them. They read, believe in America, not the media. You can't really believe in both, you know. People who believe in our country and love our country aren't watching CNN or reading the New York Times. That's where people go when they want to hear how terrible America is. I think this is the perfect rallying cry for our times. Believe in America, not the media. Now, the MRC is also making bumper stickers that say this. You can get one free by going to MRCsticker.com. Let's get them on all our cars. That's MRCsticker.com. MRCsticker.com and get your free... Believe in America, not the media bumper sticker. You can get them from the MRC today as long as they last. That's MRCsticker.com. Jump in right now and get yours before they run out. And knowing you, my audience, you don't act soon, they will run out. Because we're filled with patriots here. See you in just a few minutes. I'll be back. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We'll take a few more calls later in the hour. So John Bolton, remember him? Well, he's all in now. He got his payday for his book. His book didn't do as well as his publisher said, Simon & Schuster. I know, they're my publisher too. But he'll be wearing that scarlet letter the rest of his life. But don't worry. John feels very good about himself. I have no question in in my mind about that. Despite betraying so many people who supported him, including the president. So he's at the National Press Club today. And here's what he has to say in part. Cut 15, go. Let's start with the coronavirus. I I think uh, it's perfectly obvious that from the beginning, uh, there was an empty chair in the Oval Office. Uh, A staff at the NSC, the Centers for Disease Control, because I've been out of, I was out of the government at the time, but... Uh, oh, early... you were out of the government at the time, but it's perfectly obvious there was an empty chair, ladies and gentlemen, because John knows everything, even when he's not present. So it's perfectly obvious there was an empty chair in the Oval Office, meaning the president's. Go ahead. January, uh, we're uh, raising red flags about this. Trump didn't want to hear about them. He didn't you weren't there. Hear... You weren't there. And I happen to know, as a matter of fact, you're lying now. I mean, he didn't want to hear about it. Go ahead. Hear bad things about Xi Jinping. He didn't want to hear that China was engaged in a cover-up of uh, what had gone on in Wuhan and elsewhere in China was engaged. But keep in mind, again, he wasn't there. Now, this should tell you a lot about his book, right? He's not commenting like he's a a, a first-hand observer or actually involved in the decision making so trump wasn't in his chair in other words empty he didn't want to act he didn't want to upset the communist regime in china does trump act like he doesn't want to upset the communist regime in china i think they've been upset for a long time with trump go ahead disinformation campaign uh, about the disease he didn't want to hear that china might not be able to comply with the terms of the interim he has no idea what he's talking about for the fourth time, he wasn't there. Go ahead. Deal that he was working on, and, and uh, in fact, I think signed in January. And he particularly didn't want to hear that this uh, this uh, disease could be of such serious consequence that it might interfere with the U.S. economy, which he saw as his ticket to re-election. So yet again, he just sounds like a typical leftist who's out to get Trump or a never-Trumper. So he's a never-Trumper, pretty much. I'll never understand this guy. 
and I never want to talk to him again. He begged to get into that job, National Security Advisor. He asked me and many other people to support his effort. He knew he had disagreements with this president, so he goes in there, and the disagreements continue. And his job is to carry out the president's wishes, not to undermine the president. The president really hadn't changed his positions on anything. Whether you agree with him 100% or not, that's not the point. He got elected president of the United States. Well, John could not, apparently could not tolerate that. And now he's out to sabotage the president any way he can. And I want you to know, if Joe Biden's elected president, there's a lot of people on the left, and these never-Trumpers, and these guys sitting on the fence, they're going to be exposed. Because everything's at stake right now. Everything. Everything. And if a fool like this thinks Trump is bad on foreign policy, wait for Kamala Harris and Biden and, and Bernie Sanders and the rest of them. They'll sell out this country so fast it's not even funny. Go ahead. It's over. I guess that's a good thing. Ever hear of Linda Sarsour? She is an out-of-the-closet anti-Semite who backed Bernie Sanders and is now backing Joe Biden. Now, why are the anti-Semites backing Joe Biden? Ilhan Omar and her ilk, the anti-Semite left, why are they backing Joe Biden? What do they know that we don't know? I think we do know. The administration that was so brutally hostile and vile towards the state of Israel was the Obama-Biden administration. Have a horrific record. Horrific. And so foreign policy will be run by the Sanders people, and they're loaded with anti-Semites like this Linda Sarsour. That's the nature of the Marxists. They're racists and they're anti-Semites. Unfortunately, there's too many stupid Democrats who don't see this, particularly minorities, that Marxists hate them. We're going to have a little lesson on this at the bottom of the hour or thereabouts with Professor Kengor, who's written a brand new book on this. So let's listen, it's only a few seconds, to anti-Semite Linda Sarsour while speaking during the Democrat National Convention. Speaking during, during the Democrat National Convention. They throw out the word racism and anti It's really them. They're the racists and they're the anti-Semites. Cut 16, go. The Democratic Party is not perfect, um, but it is absolutely our party in this moment. There you go. It's absolutely the party of the anti-Semites at this moment. It's quite true. I, I think she's right. It is. I think she's right. It is. You saw this attack in Portland. This poor guy was knocked out. I mean, I don't know if he has brain damage. I don't know. But as a fellow human being, it's hard to watch. In the Washington Post, which is really a despicable trash newspaper these days, owned by Jeff Bezos. We know who runs the damn thing, Ryan. As pointed out by Fox News, Washington Post-Portland attack headline slammed as passive voice nonsense. The Washington Post was slammed today for a passive voice nonsense 
Our buddy Eli Lake tweeted that out. That was the headline that critics had downplayed the vicious attack on a truck driver by Portland protesters, ignoring that the man was beaten by demonstrators. He was knocked unconscious by Black Lives Matter protesters after they allegedly chased him until he crashed his truck. You've seen the video online. The man sitting dazed on the ground moments before another man runs up from behind and kicks him flush in the face. First he punched him a few times. Then he's on the ground and he kicks him right in the face and knocks him out. So the Bezos Ryan Washington Post headline, the story of the attack was, you want to hear this? Quote, man seriously injured in attack after crashing his truck during Black Lives Matter protest in Portland. As our buddy Eli Lake, a columnist at Bloomberg News, wrote, this headline is passive voice nonsense. Anarchists dragged a man from his truck and beat him senseless. Other critics of the misleading headline also took to Twitter, arguing it failed to capture what had unfolded during the incident. Former acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, this guy is great. He called it advocacy, not journalism. Of course, the Post didn't immediately respond to a request for comment from Fox News. Now they know who this bastard is who assaulted and tried to kill this innocent man. It's on my site. Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. That's Mark Levin uh, Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. There's also a photograph of him. So if anybody knows who he is, call the cops immediately. You may have to call 911 a few times given that it's Portland. But be persistent. You might actually get through. Let's go to Ron, Ridgefield, Washington State, on XM Satellite. Ron, you're on the air. Go. Thanks, Mark, for taking my call. Uh, I've got an idea that might obviate this problem we've got with this mail-in voting uh, inasmuch as we have set up a whole bunch of testing sites in these vacant malls that have gone out of business, why not for those people who have a, a problem with going to a voting poll, have them drive through, have their ID checked, give them a ballot, have them go to a spot in the mall, vote, and then come back through a separate line and drop it off? Sir, we have like 70 days to get this organized. It's There's not enough time to jerk the entire nation in another direction and use voting malls and all. It, there's just no time for this sort of thing it's a big country with uh, over 120, 130 million people voting and each state by the way gets to decide how it's done so let's say your idea is perfect the states get to decide how they're going to do it the states get to decide the states and each of the, uh, the individual counties that are responsible for the vote but uh, anyway, I, I tried to get the idea. To... I, I like your idea. In fact, I think this. We should be able to drive through McDonald's, get a hamburger, and vote. Thank you for yeah. your call, sir. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right. Everything you believe in is under attack by the Democrat Party and by Bernie Sanders. And yet they say they want unity in this country. Let me ask you a question. If they win, will there be unity? Will you unify with their movement? With their revolution? With their message of systemic white racism? With their message of a wealth tax, a massive increase in taxes on the middle class? Will you unify with that? Will you unify with open borders and health care paid out of your pocket for illegal aliens? Oh, I can only imagine what kind of a clarion call that will be to the rest of the world. Will you unify with abortion on demand and unify with the notion that you're going to pay for it? Will you unify with getting rid of the filibuster rule so the Democrats and the left can force anything they want on all the rest of us? Will unify expanding the Supreme Court so they can pack it with radical activists? These are all things that Kamala Harris and I guess Joe Biden believes in. Will unify with eliminating your own private health care and being part of a centralized, iron-fisted, Stalinist health care program? Will you be unifying with that? Will you unify with what your kids are going to be taught or your grandkids in kindergarten and elementary school? How to hate their own country with the 1619 Project? Democrats keep talking about unity. And yet it is they who are destroying the country. It is they and their party and their president who sick the FBI on candidate Trump. It is they who undertook a coup from day one. It is they who criminalized politics. It is they who sought to remove through impeachment, an unconstitutional impeachment, a duly elected president who you elected. Will you be unifying with them now? Will you be unifying with the people, whether they're dressed up as journalists or politicians, who call you neo-Nazis and Klansmen, who denigrate you, who use race to attack you? Will you be unifying with them? Will you be unifying with a party? that is at war with the suburbs, trying to devour them and do to the suburbs what they've done to their cities? Will you be unifying with that party? Will you be unifying with that message? What is this unity talk? I'm not unifying with them. I don't hate myself. I don't hate my children and grandchildren. I don't hate my country. I believe in secure borders. I believe in citizenship. I believe in the rule of law. I think the Constitution is the greatest governing document ever established, and they hate it. 
I'm proud of our country. They want to fundamentally transform it. I love our country. They detest our country. I want to thank the men and women who fought to give us the liberty and the prosperity that we have today. They reject them. Unify with what? I'm not going to unify with Marxists and anarchists and racists and race baiters. Unity, they say. Unity. We should all join them in the destruction of our country, the destruction of our families, the destruction of our economic system. To what end? Unity? And look how they go about this. Look how they're trying to set up a scandal in advance of the election with the post office and mail-in voting as they follow their friendly Marxists, Cloward and Piven. And then they use the Alinsky tactics to blame the victims as if they're the perpetrators. They hated the post office a few years ago. Obama used to mock them. Now it's the greatest enterprise on the face of the earth. They used to love the Russians. They used to commiserate with them, collude with them. Now they pretend that the President of the United States has colluded with them. They've sold out to communist China left and right. So have their surrogates, like LeBron James and so many others. And they want you to believe that it's our President who would sell out to these people. And yet he hasn't. He has stood up to them the way he has stood up to Russia and Iran and all the rest of them. Unify, they say. They're open about embracing their anti-Semites. Whether it's Talib or Omar or Sansur or any of the rest of them. They embrace the anti-Semites. Should we embrace them too? No, I don't think so. They embrace Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist organization that wants to bring down the country. And bring down our economic system. It's not chic to embrace them. It's not the cool thing. I don't give a damn if they do at ESPN. I don't give a damn if these mayors do. They've destroyed our cities. I'm not going to unify with a party and an ideology that is destroying our police departments one after another. And by the way, what do you think they have in mind for the United States military when they get their hands on the Pentagon? It's not going to be pretty. And I'm not going to embrace a party and an ideology where the leaders of the party get rich, very rich, filthy rich. Not because they produced something or invented something or built something, but because they sell their power while in office and after. What is this with a multimillionaire Marxist like Sanders and his wife? Or the Obamas who are worth at least $200 million? And Al Gore's worth $200 million? What is this? Well, the vast majority of you, you'll never see money like that. Yet you defend capitalism. You defend the system. While these people live in the lap of luxury and attack it for power. For power. Unity. Unity with this media who hate our guts, who lie to us day in and day out, who are corrupt, who try to undermine the president of the United States. Who the Praetorian Guard, that's right, the Praetorian Guard for Biden and the left and the Obamas and Pelosi and all the rest. That media? We're going to unite with that media? I want nothing to do with this ideology. I want nothing to do with these enterprises. They are destroying the greatest nation on the face of the earth. 
Let them unify with us. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Right versus left is right versus wrong. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. By the way, on Thursday, I believe a decision is going to be made by the president on something called snapback. In the Security Council, the UN, Russia and China... Uh, is opposed to further sanctions, continuing the sanctions on selling weapons, among other things, to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. And so under the president is able to, uh, on his own, unilaterally, snap back, which means uh, finally for all time to punish this regime. And I believe quite strongly the president really must do this. He really must do this because the Iranian regime, it may be on its last legs, but now it's making deals with China and it is uh, is trying to as aggressively as possible advance its nuclear weapon program. So it's very, very important that we go ahead and pursue this in my view. More on that tomorrow. Well, it's a pleasure to have a friend of mine, Professor Paul Kengor on the program. He has a brand new book that's out today called The Devil and Karl Marx. Now, I'm not book notes here. I'm not C-SPAN, but when I read a book that is very, very compelling and relevant to what's taking place in this country with this growing Marxist movement, well, then I want to talk to the gentleman. And this gentleman, in my case, is a friend and he's an expert. Paul Kengor, how are you, sir? Good to be with you, my friend. Thank you very much for having me on. Why should we all be concerned about the devil and Karl Marx and and what did he believe when it came to minorities, whether they're black or Jews or whatever? Oh, man, it was terrible. <laughs> you know, I, I, heard, I heard your last segment, you were talking about Linda Sarsour. And you know, she, was, she was co-chair of the Women's March in Washington. That was, I think it was the day before Trump's inauguration, right, back in January 2017. And she was also a co-chair, was Angela Davis. And, and Angela Davis was a student of Herbert Marcuse, who was one of the leading cultural Marxists from the Frankfurt School in the, in the United States. She, she ran as vice president on the Communist Party USA ticket for vice president of the United States in 1976 and 1980. 
And you know how ironic that is. Angela Davis was uh, was an African American woman, still is, still alive, and Karl Marx was was a racist. He was anti-Semitic. And I got to tell you, Mark, in, in this era when we're watching the left go wild and running down statues of everyone from. You know, forget Confederate generals, you know, Ulysses S. Grant, right, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, they tore down statues of Frederick Douglass, Washington, Jefferson, Francis Scott Key. I, I mean, these guys, if you want to see some really offensive, bigoted statements, it, it just, just look at Karl Marx. And um, I don't know where you want me to start on these, but I could, I could go on and well, on. Well, where I want on. you to start. I don't want you to go on and on and on or we'll run out of time. Where I want you to go on is how this relates to what's taking place in this country today. What would Marxism, as a general sketch, what would it do to this country if it's actually implemented? And is it actually being attempted now in our cities? Well, I would say that the the starkest parallel that I see between Marx and what's going on today is is the you know, the the attempts to rip down the the, the very foundations of American society and mm-hmm. you know, the the Judeo Christian roots of of this country and the, you know, that relates very much to to Marx's spiritual views. You know, Ronald Reagan said in a speech to the Irish National Parliament in June 1984, he, he said the battle that we face specifically against Marxism isn't just about missiles. It's not just about economics. It's a spiritual battle, and and Karl Marx said, if you if you read Marx's original essay that he wrote, calling religion the opium of the masses, he said the criticism of religion is the beginning of all criticism, and so for him, I mean, this wasn't a routine sort of garden variety atheism where where Marx said, oh, you know, there's no God, I don't believe in God. Marx said everything that exists deserves to perish. Mm-hmm. That was a favorite line of his from from Mephistopheles and Goethe's Faust. When uh, when when one of the founders of Black Lives Matter says, "I am thoroughly educated in the doctrine of Marx," and then when you see what Black Lives Matter stands for, the original mission statement and so forth, she's right, isn't she? Yeah, and and that and that's that's utterly key. And and in fact, one of the things that I show repeatedly in this book, I give three or four different examples. People like Ben Gitlow, who was a leading American communist in the 20s and 1930s, Manning Johnson, Bella Dodd, so many of these different people literally testified before Congress. They said it never ceased to amaze us how we, meaning communists, a, a literal handful of us could hijack an organization, could control an organization, oftentimes even religious organizations, and get entire massive groups and movements of people out of a kind of broader united front or popular front progressive left to follow us. And we could do it you know, not by standing up and quoting Marx and Lenin from the rooftops, but, but, but by simply uh, finding different issues that they cared about, right? Like, for mm-hmm. example, they formed a front group called the American League Against War and Fascism, right? Well, who mm-hmm. could be against war and fascism, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, who, could, like, who would say that black lives don't matter, right? So you, you pick an issue, or uh, today with Black Lives Matter, the attack on George Floyd. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, who, you know who couldn't condemn... 
police violence against somebody you know that appears to be unprovoked right the the unjust killing of george floyd so what what marxists are great at doing is picking issues like that that have a wider appeal and and finding that to rally the masses create a united front create a national movement and try to try to sow foment chaos and disorder so so one so one week they're protesting the the wrongful death of george floyd and then in minneapolis st paul exactly three weeks later they're tearing down a statue of columbus mm-hmm. <laughs> right? say, what, well what does columbus have to do with 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 reforming the police right mm-hmm. uh you know what 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 is tearing down statues of um saint anipero sarah at all the california missions you know what in the world does that have to do with george floyd well it, it's it's about tearing down that very root and fabric of, of judeo-christian civilization you know i i hope people understand now the extent to which <clears throat> excuse me marx's philosophy and its various contours and so forth exist in our colleges and universities exist in hollywood uh, exist on uh, in in the media and so forth. It's quite ubiquitous, isn't it, Paul? Oh, it is. Yeah, and and really, if you want to know how this kind of fundamental transformation of the country happened, it's 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 at the universities. And I, I was um, we had a family get together a few weeks ago when they were tearing down a statue of somebody somewhere. I can't remember who the latest one was, and a, and a family member kind of innocently said. Well, well, what what are they after? Like, what what's what's their goal? And and oftentimes, Mark, the 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 goal is simply to tear down, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't know what will come in its place. Again, as Mark said, the ruthless criticism of everything that exists. One of one of my favorite lines from the Communist Manifesto. This is this is right at the very end. Everybody remembers the phrase "workers of the world unite," mm-hmm. but but this one, Marx and Engels quote: "Communists everywhere support every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things." Now that's that's I'm going to repeat that: Communists everywhere support every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things. And so and so when you have these radicals including Bernie Sanders, who's not even a Democrat. He's right. not even a member of the Democrat Party. People forget. When you have them say, we're going to vote for Biden, and he's going to be the most progressive president in history, that's your point. It's, it's any port in a storm. That's exactly right. And you saw probably a week or so ago that the chairman of Revolutionary Communist Party USA, Bob yep. Lockean, yeah, he, he endorsed Joe Biden. And, I, and this of- is a serious... Serious, seriously, I want people to know, this isn't some fringe thing. They may be fringe, but they are seriously organized and seriously violent. Well, that's right. And, in fact, when, when people first started sending me that article, the link, Communist Party leader endorses Joe Biden, I thought, well, I'll click it. It must be John Bachtel, who's the head of Communist Party USA that nobody knows about today. I mean, Gus Hall ran Communist Party USA, Earl Browder, William Z. Foster. That's a group that's been around since literally 1919. But then I clicked it, and I thought, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is Chairman Bob of Revolutionary Communist Party USA. These guys are wild men. These guys are really bad. 
These guys are the people that show up in Ferguson, Missouri, six months after the initial assault, and then when the embers are still there, they throw gasoline on the fire, right? Mm -hmm. These are the guys that agitate according to race. They're the ones that when they hear that the far right is going to go up, is going to show up in Charlottesville, they, you know, they rally people. They rally the far left to go, to go down there. They, they work with groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, right? That's right. And, and for people who are wondering, hmm, well, what in the heck would Communist Party USA, what would they have to do with um, um, Black Lives What do they have to do with George Floyd? Or what would they have to do with this or that cultural issue? Well, again, they support every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things. Mm -hmm. So so as Marx said, and this is in that same paragraph in, in the manifesto, the communists openly declare that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. The forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. And here's why this matters. So if Alicia Garza and Patrice Cullors of, of Black Lives Matter, yep. yeah, if we're pointing out, if they're saying that they are Marxist-trained, and guys like me and you are saying, hey, they said they're Marxist-trained, and, and, and people on the left say, oh, come on, what's this, McCarthyism? What, do you want to smear them and call them Marxist? It matters that they say that they're Marxist-trained. It, it's utterly fundamental to understanding their motivations and how they operate and what they believe. It, it means that they're radical revolutionaries. It tells you a lot about them. That's actually crucial information. So, so if you, if you want to go protest the, the death of George Floyd, I don't know, write a check to, to the NAACP, right? I, I mean, why do you have to sign up to a group who, whose leaders at their website call for, this is, this is the about section of the Black Lives Black Lives Matter website, calls for abolishing the Western prescribed nuclear family structure, <laughs> right? What, is, what does that have to do with George Floyd? Well, nothing to do with George Floyd, but the, the Communist Manifesto says, quote, abolition of the family, exclamation mark. Even the most radical flare up at this. Well, Paul, I, I've got to go. I could listen to you all night. You're that good. And I want people to get a hold of the book because it's very, very crucial. It's very... It relates to what's going on today. So it's not just a, a theoretical or abstract book. It is a very, very important book, The Devil and Karl Marx. And you're going to learn a lot about Karl Marx, his, uh, his, his racism. You're going to learn a lot more than that. Communism's long march of death, deception, and infiltration. And the last word is very important, too, infiltration, because you're seeing it right now, by Paul Kengor. Go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show uh, Twitter. You can go directly to Amazon. It's the devil and Karl Marx. God bless you, my friend. We'll be right back. Take care, Mark. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Our friends at MRC and Newsbusters study 150 times more negative news on Trump than Biden. 150 times more negative news on Trump than Biden. It's disgusting. But Michelle Obama, oh, Michelle. She didn't say anything smart. She didn't say anything profound. She didn't say anything new. People are celebrating her because they want to celebrate her. That's the simple reason. They want to use her to attack Trump. It's the bottom line. And no, she's not conducting herself like a first lady, an ex-first lady. She's violating all traditions, just the way her husband will do the same when it comes to Trump yet again. But the good news is, whomever Obama endorses tends to lose. That's his track record. 150 times more negative news on Trump than Biden. From June 1 through July 31, ABC, CBS, NBC Evening Newscast focused 512 minutes of airtime on the president, or nine times more than the 58 minutes allotted to Biden. See, this is the thing. If we had a real press in this country rather than a corrupt press, Biden wouldn't get away with what he's doing. Biden is not hiding because of the virus. Biden is hiding from you. He's not hiding from the virus, he's hiding from you. He's hiding from the media, but he really doesn't have to. The Praetorian Guard's out there to protect him. I'm just pointing this out, because this is no way to run a presidential election. And then they trash the mail-in vote process, because they want to win no matter what, at all costs. We'll be here tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. I want to thank all of you patriots and Levinites out there. God bless you. Same place, same time, right here, our national town hall meeting. Have a wonderful evening. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.